0: All right. Hey, you guys, this is Morgan Zeggers and I'm super excited for this episode of the Freedom Guide. You guys, freedom is a lifestyle. All right. So this whole podcast is intended to be solutions oriented, helping you figure out how you can take daily, weekly, monthly, year long steps to being a better person, being a better community member and a better American. Uh, what we think here, and I've preached this to my friend Alex, who's joining us for this episode all the time, is it's important for us to rethink, not just complain about, but rethink education, community, and leadership. And one of the most desperate situations where that is needed, I would say, is is how we support the veteran community. I think there's a million things that can be discussed in terms of how we can better serve the veteran community. And a lot of that is via government, from our politicians, all this stuff. But there's a lot of ways that we as individuals can help out. And that's what I want to focus on today. So as individuals, as communities, how can we better serve our veterans who served us? And by that, I mean average people, because I know a lot of the people listening to this, you're like, Ew, I've never done politics before in my life. It all freaking sucks. But it's time for me to step off the sidelines and get involved. And so this is for you. This is very introductory in how I would suggest you start to get involved at the community and individual level of helping your veterans. Now to join me for this is my dear friend, Alex Spencer, USA. If you follow her on Instagram, at Alex Spencer, USA. But she has a unique story and that's why I asked her to take some time out of her day on this lovely weekend <laughs> to sit on me with this couch. If you're watching the video version, you can see just how much taller she is than me because my feet are dangling off the couch. and just hit it. <laughs> you look like a grown woman and I'm like a child. I'm wearing a child-sized jacket as well, it's great. But I, I've talked to Alex so much because I grew up in upstate New York. Alex, you grew up in Vermont. I grew up in Vermont. Very, very close, close to each other. We very never close. knew each other. We got brought together pretty much not this that year. Close. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few situations of, you know, we're single, straight roommates. But a lot of people see how close we are and they're like, are you guys, like, dating? No, we're not. Um,
1: set let's just, the record straight. Let's
0: set the record straight there for the 50th time. We're um, <laughs> sitting
1: very far away from each other just so there's, there's no rumors that oh, yeah. spark.
0: You know, we're not even semi-close. But... I love hearing your stories because you grew up on the more left side, the more liberal side. And that can really play a part in how you saw veterans in the veteran community growing up. And you've really sparked my interest in that. And that's why I wanted to have you on this episode because when I get off stage, Alex, so many parents come up to me and they say, what do I do about my child? How can I get them to understand issues better? What did you do? What did your parents do to give you those values that you have now that made you a conservative? And what can I do to help my child better understand, especially if they're leaning to the left, if they are liberal, or if they're a leftist and they believe in socialism and communism. Mm-hmm. And v- those people are very against the U.S. military. Let's just put that yeah. put that out there. <laughs> so I think you would be a really great insight for the parents that are, are concerned or want to make sure that their child understands and respects our veteran community too, because uh, it's Veterans Day this week. Yeah. So this Thursday, Veterans Day is November 11th. But how about you give a little intro to yourself? What are you doing these days?
1: Yeah. So I am now working as an influencer media manager at Turning Point USA. I've been doing that for about three years. Um, And my favorite part about that is really just getting to work with a bunch of different people who are all reaching people in a different way Mm. and giving that kind of educational content, but also just really introducing people to the conservative movement. And that was a big part of what changed my mind when I went from being a leftist, to being a conservative, (laughs) which was a long change. It wasn't like a one-size-fits-all thing. It wasn't like I watched so-and-so's video, and it changed my mind. It was a very, very long process um, that kind of, first of all, filled a lot of the holes um, in making me realize that I really did not know a lot about American exceptionalism and what makes America great. There, There were a lot of things that I didn't know and I didn't understand about American exceptionalism about American history Um, as far as my viewpoint on the military and veterans and the people who serve our country it wasn't really that I had a negative view per se I just didn't have really any view it was something that was so separate it was so separate from me it's like there's so many people who are being passive Americans who they go through their day-to-day and they really don't understand what it means to be an American. And that wasn't something that I really got until my adult life, until I started becoming a conservative. And then you realize how much just this understanding of America and American values really protects all of your rights and your liberties and the things that you just are able to take advantage of every day because it's a privilege. Um, And I think a lot of people are waking up right now, um, but kind of for me, it was just realizing how uneducated I was, how much I did not know, how much I was not thinking about things. And when you're not living intentionally, when you're not valuing your country and your nation in that way, um, you can kind of be spoon-fed a lot of information that's just not true.
0: Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the topics we focus on is the dangerous complacency and ending that. There's so many people that agree with our values but have for too long, I'm talking decades, have said, oh, I just wanna be left alone. Right. You cannot say that because there are people out there that do politics all the time And their intention is to make it so that you're not left alone. They believe that's the best thing for society. Mm -hmm. And so we have to do politics too in a way that preserves our ability to be left alone. And that's what this podcast is about. That's what uh, this conversation is about. And when we talk about solutions that we can be implementing in our lives, you brought up just the basic lack of understanding of a lot of American history and the sacrifices made. I would argue the first thing that I want to talk about is that I would argue When we fail our kids in the classroom, when our public schools fail to pass down crucial information on history, economics, policy, current events, civics, we are not just failing our kids and we're not just failing the parents that are paying the taxes to go have their kids get educated in the the basic way of public education. We are massively failing our veterans because they're the ones that put their lives on the line with the understanding or the so You know, at the time, the understanding that if they gave this sacrifice, it's going to preserve future generations of Americans to be able to live a life of liberty and dignity and Mm -hmm. happiness. And right now, our public education system, and in general, the complacency of Americans, is leading to the failure of our veterans in this way beyond the funding to the VA, beyond the corruption at the VA, beyond not supporting them once they get back from deployment. But it's in this massive, like, Mm long-term disappointment to what our veterans sacrifice so much of their time and put their lives on the line for. And that really upsets me. So I think one of the big aspects of that is looking at education reform. Mm -hmm. And that can, we talk about this often, but first of all, if you can get your kids out of government school, that's a really important step to be making. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can do that though. So we can also look at school choice, making sure that it's easy and accessible and affordable for parents to do that. There's scholarship opportunities, Florida, Ron DeSantis, the governor there does a great job. Um, but beyond school choice, beyond getting your own kids out of government school, some kids are going to have to go to public school. And for us to say, well, as long as my kids are fine – then I'm okay with it and I'm going to be selfish about right. it. That's wrong because when we want to rethink community and if we really want to bring positive change, it starts at a local level. And I see saying, oh, I don't care about what happens in public schools because my child is homeschooled or my child goes to private or charter school. I'm not worried about it. I think that's that's very dangerous as well. It's another dangerous complacency right. because we should be caring about the kids in our community. We shouldn't say I know better than their parents and <laughs> I should be parenting these kids. Like That's very socialist leftist. Right. But instead we should say, I care about the kids, the young minds in my community getting a proper education that they deserve. And so that means focusing on on history, economics, philosophy, curriculum reform in the public schools and making sure that the teachers unions are being held accountable. So so it's this multi-layered solution to s- supporting our veterans and honoring what our veterans sacrifice so much for. But it's also gonna have so many other positive aspects if we reform education Uh in our communities, in our states. And I don't think the Department of Education should exist in the first place, but I guess at the federal level too. (laughs) But do you have that? Do you remember like your education classes? Do you feel like the schools failed you or do you wish that maybe you had other resources that you didn't get maybe at a community level?
1: So here's what made me think when you said how it's not just about, oh, my kids are okay. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everyone else can kind of fend for themselves. I'm just making sure my kids are taken care of. We're not in a time right now where kids go to school and then they go to their parents and then they don't have access to everybody else who may be learning these radical things. Kids get on the internet. Kids have conversations. It's the time where we have the easiest access to people who we would never speak to otherwise. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff happens and where a lot of these movements kind of start is online. For me, the education system was not like this when I was a leftist. When I was in high school, when I was in middle school, high school is kind of the peak of it. Um, I I was very radical for my school. And to give a little mm. bit of a background. Really? <laughs> really. And, and it's... <laughs> Alex it's, Spencer. It's scary how fast it's happened where it's gone from... Just these kind of niche internet movements to being in the school curriculum, and I went to a very very small private school in in Burlington Vermont, and at that private school it like it was so hippy dippy. It was like so liberal, so mm-hmm. leftist, and it's I like Bernie was Bernie Sanders <laughs> land, right? Yeah, like if you were to picture like the male and female Bernie Sanders of like high school, that was <laughs> my high school. Um, very granola, very hippie, um, and I was like. The angsty, angry feminist. Like that was my high school self was just like, I just had that high school angst. I was angry. I was on the internet. People were telling me all this stuff to be angry about. And I was like, all right, let's go. I have something to be angry about. A big turning point in my life was going to, um, to school. And I had a literal communist that I was friends with in my class and one conservative in the entire school who I was friends with. And so we created this politics group, um, at lunchtime and they just started asking questions and i was like oh i i have no idea like somebody was like oh that what you're saying sounds like communism like what you're saying <laughs> like you want oh. sounds like communism and i was like well then i guess i'm a communist and I, I had no i had no idea i had no idea i don't know what i was like checked out in history class or like schools just you know you're lucky if it's engaging Yeah. It's a
0: memorization test every time of just like absorb the information, spit it out on the test the next day and you're fine and you can coast through and graduate.
1: They never tell you why it matters to you. And I think that's really the disconnect with kids is they're sitting there and they're like, okay, I have X amount of years left before I graduate. Let me just learn what I need to learn. It's the short term memory of like you said, I'm just going to memorize this for the test. I'm sure I knew all the dates and all the battles and Mm -hmm. all of the stuff then like I did fine in school. Don't remember any of it because there is nothing that is attaching it to your long-term memory. There's nothing that's attaching it to your life. And that's why I think stuff like this is so important because people do need to understand how these things affect them every day, how they affect their lives and what to
0: do about it. Yeah, the true meaning of, of learn from history or you right. will repeat it. Right. Uh, that's a really good point because I had the same – what bothers me so much, I remember when I first started the nonprofit, like the Official Young mm-hmm. Americans Against Socialism, and we had first gotten on like Fox and Friends and a a bunch of the national radio things like Glenn Beck and stuff, and all these girls from my high school that never paid attention in class and never cared about history class especially. I was never, we never had hostility between each other, but oh my gosh, they were sharing things like the Fox News article about me or whatever. And they were saying like, this girl lacks basic human decency. Like, I can't believe I went to school with her, all this stuff. (laughs) And it'd be one thing if they were like the smartest person in history class, Right. but uh, no, they never cared about learning that kind of stuff. And I think back to, to my time, I wouldn't say that it was that I was a history nerd. I am such a history nerd, now and I was back then it was not because the public education system encouraged me to want to become a student of history (laughs) it was like that that was not what the public education system did instead the public education system I was like a really big grades person I graduated with a A 4.0 I was obsessed if I got a 94 I was like distraught I was (laughs) was distraught over anything like below a 96 I would question myself of like how dare I I was a perfectionist at that and I've changed like when when it got to college, I was more of like a C's and B's get degrees, baby. I'm going to do my <laughs> internships and I'm going to get out on the right. hill. Like I did in a hill internship and all the, the work in D.C. But again, my desire to learn about history did not come from the public education system. It came from my parents. Mm-hmm. And another question that I get from a lot of parents when I'm off stage after I speak is, what did your parents do to get you to be like this? (laughs) And, and it's not just what my parents did. I will say that like you, you cannot determine how your child ends up. You can do the best that you can and you can give them a a strong foundation, but that's not going to necessarily mean anything. They have to come to those values on their own in many ways. Um, But my dad's a Colonel in the military. He served in operation Iraqi freedom uh, he served at 9-11. He did a ton of National Guards work. With, there was a lot of like hurricanes and, and flooding in up, upstate New York and downstate. And so I just, throughout my life, he had been serving in multiple ways. And we always watched the History Channel. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. We would make sure, like all the World War documentaries and yeah. stuff, whenever they came out, I remember we would record them and then watch them as a family and stuff. And And I went to all his change of command ceremonies and all those things. So it was ingrained in me to at least understand the basics that like, right. okay, men and women sacrifice so much. They sacrifice time Mm -hmm. with their family. They sacrifice the raising of their children, separation from their communities to go to foreign countries and, and serve on our behalf. I understood that basic level of sacrifice. And then I also had this desire to learn about history from my parents. And that's what made me more interested as a student in high school, public school, but it wasn't the public school system that encouraged me to become a learner. And I will say to all of the stuff that I know now, did not come in high school, did not come in college, in classrooms. I had to Mm reteach myself. And like you said, I I probably knew and got hundreds on all the tests with the dates and the names of the wars and everything. I couldn't tell you now unless I studied it as an adult and now I'm fully aware of it. Like now I know about Genghis Khan and and right now I'm watching a documentary on Sparta versus Athens. I I try to learn these things, but I have to relearn them as an adult because I don't remember when I learned in high school. And that plays into so much with if parents are not active and if, if not just parents, but if leaders and communities, if mentors do not make an active effort to pass down a desire to learn and a desire to appreciate history and sacrifice onto young kids, you have to understand the public system is not going to do it, the public school system. So, uh, I think people then say, well, strong families. We don't have strong families all the time and not everybody has parents to pass that down. Well, I encourage you then if you are an adult or if you are a 20 something, Mm -hmm. you can find young kids out there that need guidance and that need mentorship and you can be that person for them. So there are community solutions for that, that loss that we have right now.
1: I remember being in high school and thinking like, why am I learning this stuff? This stuff does not matter to me at all. I'm about to go into the adult world and I have no idea like how to pay taxes and how to do real world things. And I think that that is something that young people do identify, especially as they're entering the adult world. And so their minds are looking at the future and it's still kind of a short term future. I mean, look at how much our lives have changed in the past year, year and a half, (laughs) just with everything, everybody's life, even in the last uh, eight months. It has changed so much. And that stuff can happen overnight. Things can happen in this country that it can flip a switch overnight that it will not matter what it was you learned in school. And one of those things that will matter forever, because it will completely point the trajectory of what we need to do next, especially at a time like this, is to have the understanding of what it is that we're standing up for, what it is that people fight for.
0: Mm, Alex Spencer keep going. Wow. <laughs>
1: because <I'm> like, yes, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, if you don't have the understanding about American exceptionalism, which I think is really the baseline of what's gone wrong here. I, I had no regard. I remember being like, I wish America was more like Canada. And and you hear that a lot. You hear, I wish America was more like this country. I, I wish that, um, you know, America was more socialist. I wish it was more, um, you know, like these European countries. And People just do not have an understanding about what makes America exceptional. The reason that they have those sacrifices is to defend this country. And it's not just a matter of land. It's not just a matter of location. It's the values. That's what people give up their lives for is the values. And so if you don't understand and you're not teaching the next generations or you're letting it slip away from this generation why America is exceptionalism is exceptional, you will not have a country.
0: No, I, that's such a good point. People say, well, we don't learn anything legitimate in school that's going to be practicable for when we graduate. Right. It's like, uh, hello, that's the whole point of learning history. That's the right. whole point of learning civics and government. And I remember, I remember some of my classes, would you get this, where it was so focused on testing and so focused on memorizing mm-hmm. and then spewing out onto paper. By the end of the year, if you think about it, for example, history class, if you think about trying to shove all of american history modern history into one nine month season of school right what happens when you get to the end of the year all of a sudden you're pushing april you're pushing may you're only at world war ii and then shoot you're supposed to get all the way to nine eleven <laughs> because that's what happened i have a lot of people that i right. graduated with that's what happened in our 20th in our life, century yeah. education right. classes you spend so much time in world war ii which is very important right But all you have are those nine months to shove it in. The test is coming up soon for the end of the year. And our professors, or our teachers, we had teachers that literally said, okay, I need you guys to go home and read these last textbook chapters because this is gonna be on the test. That was our education for what, the fall of the USSR (laughs) and every serious legitimate thing that happened in modern American history Mm -hmm. over the last like four decades. Right. Because the test was coming up too yeah. fast, and the per- yeah. the teacher couldn't fit it into the curriculum, and so hey, go read this at we home. This chapter we the world
1: wars. We <sighs> ran out of time in eighth grade. What? So so I I switched schools in s- between seventh and eighth grade. I went from public school to a private school. Okay. Ooh. And so I did get some World War One and Two education in seventh grade. Yeah. But everybody in the school that I switched to, the private school, eighth grade was their year for that. We literally ran out of time at the end of the year. So nobody I went yeah. to co- uh, to high school with, because it was like a K through 12, nobody that I went to high school with ever got an education on the world wars. It was all like 1800s history and like Renaissance history. Like,
0: oh my gosh, my, <laughs> and my heart hurts about, hearing that. Yeah,
1: we didn't learn about the world wars.
0: <laughs> That's I, I, I try and paint a picture for parents because the school system is so ridiculous. Like I went to public school and in upstate New York, in New York state, we had like common core and I can't remember what the word is, but they had massive testing right. and it was so dumb, Alex, I kid you not. And, and oh, we can wrap up the education talk because I think people are starting to realize how bad the education <laughs> yeah, system right. is. No wonder we're failing our veterans <laughs> if mm-hmm. kids aren't even finishing the 20th century education that they should no, be getting. Yeah. Cause that's like the most important, I would say but oh my gosh. Um, but I remember, so in New York, they passed this new standardized testing protocol and it was so dumb. First of all, I'm surprised that all of us kids at the time didn't learn the first lesson there of like, wow, government bureaucracy sucks. Hey, because what happened is the government bureaucrats of New York state decided to say, hey, if we test the kids on the topic at the beginning of the school year <laughs> and then test them at the end of the school year on the same curriculum, I bet you, we can see if their answers improve. And, and that's oh. how we're going to test the success hmm. of the teacher and Brilliant. the curriculum.
1: Let's teach, like, wait, let's take, have them do take a test. Do you see how test. bad that
0: sounds? <laughs>
1: let's <laughs> have them take a test before we teach them mm-hmm. the information. <laughs> do you... And then after we teach
0: them the information, and I betcha. It might work. It might be better. So when I was in high school, I kid you not, we had to do this practice of calculus in my calculus class. The teacher was required, this is how bad government is, the teacher fully understood that nobody in the class had ever done anything with calculus before. We took pre-calc, but then you take calculus. Right. And he had to give us a paper and he said, I'm required to give you guys an hour to finish this. And so an entire class session that could have been spent teaching us about calculus was spent giving the students that had never done calculus before an entire test on it and you had to give him an hour.
1: And that's not, you literally, that's not something that you really mm-hmm. can use any sort of. Like, there's like. no, there's no fix in it. Okay. <laughs> no. And so
0: as he's handing it out, it was like the perfect example of this is why government sucks. It's so inefficient. And what do you know? We took the same test at the end of the year and our scores improved. Wow. Well, after you took <laughs> but the But this classes- happened, this happened Alex with history class. And I remember I'm like a big, oldies music person you are too I remember they had said like put an effort in and so it was asking us questions about uh, wars and battles and situations that we had never learned about before and we had to write (laughs) essays they said try and write the essay on these (laughs) and again the the history teacher was like I'm sorry I'm required to give you guys this it sucks like I don't know all those teachers are probably liberals too which is so funny that like support big government and teachers unions so whatever
1: that's what's so surprising it's that you know if you look at it, and we because nobody really likes school. Like, in, like no, growing up, like, it's no a one perfect liked example of if it. If anything, they do well because, like you said, you you just hold so much in getting the good grades, and you want, want to go into a good school, yeah. but. Nobody leaves like middle school and high school and is like, "Wow,
0: that was a great experience." I learned
1: so much, and you see that with they with leave depressed now, too. and like, suicidal. Why? Yeah, why? Did do that? <laughs> they get bullied
0: at school by mean girls. They yeah. get shoved through memorization processes, and then they go out with no skills and, and, that's and really, no understanding.
1: That's really what it is. Is that I, I'm thinking like while you're talking back to what kind of tests? I took and had to like study for yeah and it's all in (laughs) memorizing the information and the reason that we learn stuff like history is like you said so we don't repeat it Mm -hmm. but we're not learning when we learn about history about any of the values any of the ideologies any of the things that made people act the way they did any of you know the the foreign relationships anything like that we are just learning about dates battle names and, like, what happened enough to make sure that we read the books? Yeah. And how how awful is it to be that flippant with the child's ed- education where you're like, oh, I'm just going to stick you in front of a piece of paper and make sure that you did the work so I can check the boxes and get my paycheck? Yeah,
0: it's disgusting. And so... Oh with the with that history test I remember I wrote the lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. I, I wrote that. out the entire cuz I was like this is history. This is <laughs> this is 20th century history. history. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote the lyrics and and just to kind of wrap up the the education solution segment right. like I think it's pretty clear the public education system is failing, so it needs reform. But right. if you can get your kids out of government school, if you can help with, um, making sure that States have school choice so that parents do have an option of getting their kids out of public school if they are able to with an affordable option. Right. But I think the big solution here too, is to make sure that a child's edu- education, a human's education should not end when they graduate from K through 12 or when they get their four year degree no. out of college, uh, it needs to be a lifelong process, yep. and that's one of the best ways that you can honor veterans. Make sure that you yourself are as educated as possible with history and with current events, and then make sure your children understand and are not just it's not just memorized in their head right. during school, but they deeply understand and comprehend it. And right. um, the study that we always focus on is by Michigan State University. It says the most effective way to get a young person to understand a hard to understand topic, something that's difficult to comprehend, or an opposing viewpoint, or most importantly, to understand why that hard topic impacts them and the people around them and the the world around them, why it matters. It's peer-to-peer communication, not parent or professor. And so making sure that they, they have circles of people around them that deeply comprehend it, whether it's mentors or older friends or siblings or a group of people that are, are similar in age to them that can share their values and they can communicate those things, that's going to be key. And that's also why we do this this freaking podcast, because yeah. we're talking casually, we're doing it peer-to-peer style, and we're making sure we pass it on. Now, the second thing that I want to talk about, uh, I think there's education, and then there's community involvement mm-hmm. and rethinking community and leadership, taking leadership in your own community. Uh, I don't know how much I've told you about this, but I've been a grandma for a little longer than you may have thought. Oh. Um, when I was 16, uh-huh, I don't know why I did this, Alex. I always try and remember why you know I have I'm a story You know I have a bad memory, okay?
1: I'm surprised
0: I have a terrible memory high school story. I have a terrible memory but um, <laughs> <laughs> I in high school one day I leave school. And I say, I'm going to go to the VFW post Mm -hmm. in my town, the Veterans of Foreign Wars post. I don't know why I went. I don't know what I was thinking. But I was really into old school music. I was really into veteran stuff because my dad, all this stuff. And I remember walking in that day. It was like maybe a 3 p.m. on a Tuesday, beautiful sunny day. I park in the parking lot and I go into this little building. And I walk in, you buzz in, and I get led into the building and It's this like dark, smoky bar with a bunch of veterans just chilling. Vietnam vets chilling at this bar. And 17-year-old Morgan, I think at the time, I had just gotten out of my high school class. I was like, I'm going to go hang out with some veterans and join the veteran community here in my town. Again, don't know why I was driven to do this. But I walk (laughs) in and I don't know what I was expecting, but I can tell you I wasn't expecting a, a full bar in my town with the lights dimmed low and, and just completely full. And they're all drinking at, at 3 PM. And it was exciting in a way, cause it was like, wow, everybody's hanging out here. And I had no idea, but also like, what, why is there a bar? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what is this? And why are you drinking at, th- at like, what is going on? It just right. didn't know what to expect. And those guys became some of my best friends in my high school experience and college. And, I joined as soon as I started talking to them because think about this. It's Vietnam vets, some Korea vets, some World War II veterans and spouses, all a part of this this community post. I learned a few things from them at the time, but when I first joined, they were like, want to be an officer? (laughs) So at like 17, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to be an officer. So I become an officer. And then the next week in town, this, the local paper wrote an article and it was like youngest member of the VFW and oldest member of the VFW auxiliary because we were in the ladies auxiliary, which was for like spouses and daughters and granddaughters and stuff. (laughs) So (laughs) this article is written and it's about (laughs) me and this woman named Mary Horton because I was 17 at the time and there was this picture of me and her. Her husband served in the Pacific arena of World War II and she was still an active officer member of the VFW Ladies Auxiliary. And so that was just amazing. I became an officer and every month I would go to the Ladies Auxiliary meetings and it is formal, Alex. (laughs) <laughs> explain, I hold on, backtrack,
1: explain okay. what an officer is and does because okay this whole world like i'm going this is ar- like an archaic I'm view it. i have a very visual like imagination so mm-hmm. i'm like i can picture you there little 17 year old morgan in oh, this like yeah. dark smoky bar but <laughs> what
0: <laughs> what are you actually doing
1: like here
0: so yeah so basically there's the post and the veterans that served in foreign wars okay. can you apply and you qualify to join the post. So my dad, he didn't join before me. I actually convinced him months into it to join. Wow. I was like, dad, we could do the parades together. Aww. Like I go to this alone. And I'm like, no, like my dad lives with me and right, he just doesn't right. come. And that's another thing that we'll get into. But uh, I, I joined and the ladies auxiliary serves in support of the men and so they have their veteran initiatives they do parades they do memorials they do all these things all these ceremonies and i would go with them but the ladies support them in whatever they want to do and so we keep track of what they're doing uh, in terms of their veterans advocacy in terms of their community building and then we also like have fundraisers we were doing like baked good fundraisers in october for breast cancer and the funds would go to support uh people in the community that had breast cancer and needed needed the support uh it was just a ton of great things or it would just be like a get together dance. And I kid you not, Alex, I'll go to these two and there's a jukebox. So I have good oldies tastes and all the guys <laughs> would be giving me their coins because oh Morgan God. picks the good oldies the good, music. Yeah. And so I would be in charge of that. Well, my best job though, I was the killer parade walker. Okay. I killed I the game. And so we did armed forces parades, Memorial Day parades, Veterans Day parades. Uh, I think there was one on flag day and we did ceremonies at schools. But at parades, you sell poppies. And there's a whole story about it. I think we're going to post about it on the Instagram page. But uh, poppies are a resemblance from World War One, yeah. And now VFW posts and a bunch of other veterans communities, they sell these little tiny poppies in remembrance of that. Yes. But they're for $1. And the funds go to the post. So at the parades... I made a lot of mistakes because I used to just I thought that I was just giving out poppies and I would like oh I would like God. throw them out like candy. <laughs> and hilarious. then I remember that my first parade, I think it might have been Mary or like the president of the VFW Ladies Auxiliary. She was like, Morgan, those are one dollar each. <laughs> so I remember like racking four hundred dollars at my first parade and I really brought the big bucks in. But then the funds then go into right. to serving the community again. Yeah. And what's most important, though, is that it builds a community. Like, there's dances, there's monthly meetings, and there's constant communication of who in our local community is in need of help right now who just needs a, a kind card sent to them because they're going through a hard time right. who needs a ride to a hospital treatment right. who needs that kind of stuff and when we look at the national problems of the the amount of people that commit suicide in the veteran community on a national level and the amount of people that are homeless in the veteran community on a national level it seems very overwhelming right. and it's like okay then we need a massive government intervention to help this but if we think about it on a local community level where the vfw or the american legion which mm-hmm. is a similar thing, they are keeping track of the veteran community on a individual basis of this person needs a ride to their treatment this person needs a fundraiser for their uh, their health issue that they're having because a lot of the veterans especially from Vietnam have Agent Orange uh, leading to cancer, their exposure to Agent Orange all that kind of stuff they take care of the people in their community and they're tracking the problem is now Alex think of my dad I joined because I'm a grandma and I'm a weird person My dad, a colonel in the military, served in Operation Iraqi Freedom, could qualify for the VFW, never went in. I had to ask him to come all the time, and he never wanted to. And so then I started talking to the guys at the Post, the Vietnam guys. And they're telling me it's these GWAC guys. They don't believe in coming back and doing that. And there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, we just aren't a society anymore that has community organization, that has community get-togethers. Think of the Rotary Club. Think of like going to like community things in the '50s and '60s, like book clubs and all these little get-togethers, like in the
1: neighborhood. Yeah, like the block parties that like the parents would have, and Mm -hmm. now everyone there's some some little analogy about how like community kind of died with the invention of garages because you pull into your garage and then you just go home and nobody's waving to the neighbor. No one's saying hello to the people around them. So you show up. The only time we really interact with anyone anymore is when we're showing up and dealing with people who are in like service positions, like you know, waiters, restaurant people, Mm. um, people at stores, um, and you're there for a specific purpose and you leave. There's no conversation. There's no learning from anybody else's experience. Like you gain so much from just talking to people and learning about people's experiences Um, so much more than you will ever in a lifetime like talking to different people about their lifetimes it opens up a whole gate um, to to so much to so much more that you like there's only so much that you and I will ever experience in our lifetime but you know you having conversations with those veterans about their experience that's something that is not something that you'll ever experience firsthand but you still have that and you still have that knowledge and you're able to take it with you wherever you go and whatever you do
0: yeah yeah and That plays in to what's going on with the veterans now, because the veterans of previous wars, they might have been more silent. And like if you ask Vietnam guys, they're probably not going to tell you about their experience. Right. But they were much more willing to do things like join the VFW and the American Legion and be a part of it. They most of for the most part still are like all those guys are still super involved. I walked with them at all the parades. They're amazing. And first of all, they lit up when you talk to them and when you want to hear their stories. That's amazing. I kind of want to like start interviewing them and documenting their stories the way we do with survivors Mm -hmm. of communism and socialism. But that concept of in American society, we don't come together in community groups anymore, like Rotary or Kiwanis or other forms of book clubs and veterans affairs or VFW American legions. We don't do that anymore. And that played into now the new wars that we have in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and desert storm, those guys never came back and said, I'm going to join the VFW. And so I remember as a teenager, I didn't really know much now. And I know a lot more about uh, the GWAT now, Global War on Terror, for mm-hmm. the ladies. I call it GWAT sometimes, and I know I'm not supposed to call it, but we've talked about my GWAT <laughs> <guat> phenomenon. But <laughs> I'll just throw that in there. Maybe I'll explain that one day. But um, the, those guys have a, hurt the Vietnam Veterans and the Korean veterans in in such an intimate way, and I Mm -hmm. I always felt so uncomfortable. I'll I'll admit it. I felt uncomfortable hearing the veterans from previous wars talk about how they were hurt by the new generation of veterans not wanting to join them. That's I mean it was this masculinity. I mean when a man can be in touch with their emotions, I really admire that. Yes, and to hear those men, grown men aging men talk in that way about how they were just so sad and confused as to why the new generation didn't want to join them and that that was one of their biggest regrets of not being able to get them to join because now the VFWs and American Legions are kind of going downhill because they don't have membership joining in anymore. It was so sad and it really touched me and stuck with me. And, and that's why I went to my dad and I said, dad, you are coming with me to these yeah. things now. And now we have all these great Put pictures. My dad down. loved it as soon yeah. as he joined. He, he started bearing the flag and like right. had the little mm-hmm. thing so that he could like hold it. Right. And we would do the parades together and all the pictures. But it, it is this, this strange thing. And it plays in, there's this other um, thing that I heard about. Different civilizations and societies throughout history usually have, and these could be like ancient, they have a process for what happens when veterans get back. This wasn't like Native American tribes. Mm -hmm. It was back in the times of like knights going to war and then coming back to kingdoms. But they all had some sort of process of reintegrating those who served back into communities. And whether that's sharing the burdens, like coming back and then at community gatherings, telling those stories so that you can share the burden with the people and the the average people that didn't experience it firsthand can take those burdens and understand and them then, yeah. and respect them and learn from right. them. And like, honestly, just let people unload some of the stress that's on their mind right. and the trauma. That's something that's missing. Right. But even if it was just like rituals, like there was this one, I can't remember the name of it, but basically there would be a garden for this one uh, society And the knights would walk in halfway, shed all their armor Mm -hmm. in the middle of this garden that was built specifically for it. And then they would do the process of finishing the garden without the armor because it was their transition out of that war life and back into society. And we just don't have something like that Mm -hmm. here. Uh, and, And that makes me quite sad.
1: Well, and here's the thing too, with this sense of community, once you have a community, once you're in a community, whether it's a friend group or, um, or a school or a workplace or whatever it is, or, or a church group, when you have the feeling of community and you have a strong community, it is so easy to identify why having a community is important. When you understand the importance of community and the strength about it, you can be intentional about it um, and, and get involved with stuff that benefits you in your life and your life experience. And when you feel this kind of outside of community, when you don't know how to get plugged in, when you don't know where to start, mm-hmm. it's so hard to approach that. Because you see a community from the outside and you see how tight-knit everybody is and you just feel like an outsider. And then oftentimes, I think when you approach those communities, you're, I mean, you in high school being 17, mm-hmm going into that group of veterans who, you know, your life doesn't look anything like those people, but you said that they were some of the closest friends that you had. yeah. And, and that
0: they've had a, an insane impact on me. Right. I mean, they're why I do what I do now.
1: Right. And from your dad to go kind of from the outside of that too, to the inside and then how he loves it, but it was so hard to get him there. I think that people's approach to community, getting people plugged in and involved in something that is going to be a good environment for them. That's something that our generation is severely lacking Mm -hmm. and there's not enough emphasis on the home. There's not enough emphasis on church groups or local communities. You look at all of the problems happening and people are going straight to the top with their problems. Like our generation will complain about something and they're like, if the president of the United States does not care about this issue, then what's the point? nothing is changing nothing is happening and what what a weird way to be and we kind of just like let that happen and and like that's how i used to be i would be like oh, well so and so needs to care about this and so and so like i'm not going to um support uh, a pr- a president who doesn't do this um or a politician who doesn't do this or believe this and it's like especially in these kind of social issues that we talk about that i think our generation is so focused on is the social issues um that really should just kind of be a local community issue. And you're going to have so much more that you're able to accomplish, so much uh, just just more power in those local groups, and even just starting with the personal responsibility um, and then taking your, your personal responsibility and you know contributing that to a community. Yeah. Um, our generation does not do that anymore, and so what you have is you have people who their communities are just – online and they're so disconnected from everybody else in their life and in the world Um, and then whenever they're doing any sort of outreach to their community it's just complaint there is no support and there's no gratitude and I think that's a huge issue we have as well is even just being grateful for the sacrifices that people make every single day in order for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have that are so exceptional we don't teach that gratitude like, I, I never grew up, um, and, I, and I have great parents, but I never grew up, you know, being taught that you need to be intentional and take the time to really think about the sacrifices that are made. It was just an afterthought. I literally never thought about it. I can't think of a single time when I thought about those sacrifices growing up, and there was no space for gratitude.
0: Well, that's, that's another thing, too. Like, Memorial Day, Veterans Day... Armed Forces Day, they are all different and serve different purposes, but most Americans will be like, happy Veterans Day, let's honor everybody who gave their life for our country. It's like, no, that's for Memorial Day. Veterans Day is to honor those who served our country. Each if you look at the traditions and the purpose of the why we have certain holidays, even that's lost on people because they just see it as like, Oh, another patriotic holiday better make a little graphic for Instagram and right. post something with the American flag. with They're some kind of
1: like flippant holidays. It's, they see they have
0: no understanding of how right. it came around. And so I would say on top of working to make sure that we have gratitude and that comes from an understanding and improving education, not just in the public education system, but in our own homes and in ourselves, you have to get yourself involved. And I, I'll just give a quick testament. My first funeral that I ever went to was as a the conductress, which was my official officer title at the VFW Ladies Auxiliary. My first funeral was for someone in the community that died and was going to get an official ceremony by the officers of the ladies' auxiliary. And so I was told at seventeen, okay Morgan this is an open casket funeral for a woman who is a part of our community and you're going to be reading things at, at, it just, I was very young and naive. And so for me, it was a very serious moment of growth for me to get outside of my comfort zone and say, this is a duty that I now have. Like I, I'm not just going to these fun meetings. I don't just sell the poppies at parades. I don't just go and go to the bake sales. Cause I remember I was captain of the soccer team in high school and I had my entire soccer team make baked goods. And then I they all dropped them off at the VFW and they were all sold in October for breast cancer. So that's the kind of stuff where it's like, I was getting my girls involved and those are all high school level girls. And that really meant a lot to me. But then all of a sudden you're put on the plate of like, someone just passed away. And because of their service in life, they are now getting this moment of being honored. And now you as a 17 year old, you're going to go read at her funeral. And that just really jolted me. So Mary Horton, The 83-year-old, I think at the time, woman whose husband served in World War II stood next to me and gave her lines and she gave me a little flag pin. And it was my first ever like flag you a know, right. political politician right. Ben. So if you ever see me wearing one, it's the one from Mary Aww. Horton because I, I saved it and I use it all the time only for my important speeches and right. moments. But that stuck with me as a 17 year old. And I was naive. I was stupid at the time. I, I know I sound a little smarter these days, but at the time I was pretty dumb. Okay. I walked <laughs> around with a little choker necklace on from like the hippie shop. They're like an opal stone. And oh I gosh, did really? stupid things and I, I never went to church at the time. I was just kind of a a bad person in many ways and not bad, but growing. And I did a lot of growth in those times of the VFW, but most specifically those harder moments where it was no longer about me or even my levels of uncomfortability.
1: It was about
0: serving someone else because of what they gave. And so it just was such a big moment for me. And I know a lot of parents are worried about like, my child is ungrateful and I try my best, but I don't know how to get them to see the big picture in life. And I would say it's it's bringing them to things for the VFW. It's bringing them to the American Legion. It's bringing them to ceremonies with veterans. It's bringing them to the flag layings mm-hmm. on um, Veterans Day. A lot of like right. the wreaths are laid for Christmas or they put the flags in for Veterans Day and Memorial Day it's bringing them into community moments where you partake and you take out time of your day to do something that honors others and serves right. others. So getting your kids involved and even you getting involved, I can't tell you, and we, we can wrap this up, but I can't tell you, Alex, how excited the veterans of the post were and their spouses, their family members that were all a part of our community, how excited they were. When people would just come and buy chicken from their chicken barbecues that would go to maybe give funds for someone who has cancer from Agent Orange. Right. It lights up their day and all it takes for you is to just say, hey, for two hours, I'm going to go to the post this weekend because they're doing a fundraiser or for two, like maybe you don't have a family member in the military, so you can't join the actual VFW post, but there's ways for you to support them and what they do. There's ways for you to honor what they do and the sacrifices that they made and there's ways for us to also include the new generation of veterans that are going to need this form of community. So I hope that this enlightened everybody. Do you have any thoughts? I'm like, now I want to go to the post. I'm like, I, let's, I, let's find the post <laughs> and let's interview some veterans. Maybe we're going to have yeah. to start doing that.
1: You know, there are so many highs and lows of being part of a community, whether it's just in your family or some larger community, you're going to have all of those little moments of the fun times, the times where you look back and you're like, wow, like, that was a time where my heart was just soaring because i was part of something mm-hmm. and then you have those moments where it's just hard and you are there because it's what you have to do as part of a community and i think our our generation really looks for this kind of flatline baseline numbness mm. of going through the world and to not to, to not want to approach those highs and lows and and everyone's just numb and they it's not even just the gratitude but it's just this kind of over uh, like kind of desensitized generation that we have where nothing really matters to anybody. They, they're not having those moments where they have those moments of growth where they're saying, oh, this is changing me as a person. And that is such a privilege that we have where we are even able to go, oh, the, every day I don't have some huge life moment. There are people in the world where they just go through such hardships every single day. And we joke about it a lot. Um, you know, just kind of being in, in this world and being around so many people that do sacrifice every single day and the little things that we worry about and that we think, um, is important. And it's like, we are so disconnected from those sacrifices. And at least, you know, we do try to take the time to recognize it and to reflect on it and to be grateful. Um, but people really need to have the awareness of, what's happening around
0: them yeah.
1: and being well with that, that comes
0: this level of being uncomfortable yes and I, I think you touched on that too people are okay with not doing anything and not peeking their head out of the sand right. because they're going to feel uncomfortable the moment right. they do it this is really playing into what's going on with veterans because the citizens of America do not want to feel uncomfortable, and we don't want to accept the fact that people went through terrible things, so that we could not have to go to terrible right. things. And it's we don't even want to, even to, want to hear about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's privileged that like, we don't. Please, please don't, have don't have tell have us, have us those details. Yeah. We don't want to know. I mean, even yeah, like if, if you sure look at the would Afghanistan like to not stuff, have it either. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that they would be, you know, a little preferable to not having to have gone through that. Or most of them, some of them like it, and that's fine. But. At the end of the day, it's the American citizen's job to say they gave those sacrifices and now we have to honor that by respecting right. what they did, understanding what they did and why they did it, and then making sure that future generations understand why they did it. So the best right. way that we can honor our veterans, one of the best ways, there's a million ways, that things that we could do, one of the best things we can do is make sure ourselves and our children, future generations, are aware of the sacrifices they made and the history of all of the sacrifices made before us and the current events that lead to what they're gonna probably have to do in the future and the issues that we face now as a society. The second thing is to get involved and care about your veterans on a community level. The national numbers are intimidating, but if you break it down to how many people in my town need help right now, that's a lot more manageable. And then you can start making lists and start coordinating resources and coordinating time. So it starts local. It starts in the community. It's important for us to rethink community Rethink education, rethink leadership, and take yes. leadership in our own lives. Freedom's a lifestyle, baby. Yeah. All right, with that, thank you, Alex, thank you. for not being a leftist and for taking time to join the podcast. Thank you for having me. And happy Veterans Day. Happy veterans thank Day. you to our veterans who thank served. Hey guys, it's Morgan Zeggers, and if you needed a little reminder, freedom is a lifestyle. The Freedom Guide is here to provide you with resources and information and guidance on how to live out those values that you have that are rooted in freedom. That's what it's going to take to save this country. So thank you for listening. We hope to see you next week, and be sure to follow us on our Instagram page, The Freedom Guide to join into this great community that is growing of active Americans that want to participate and be a part of this fight to preserve, first of all, to save and protect and then preserve our country for generations to come. God bless.